Hi everyone, it's Jen DeWall. And on today's episode of The Leadership Habit, I am going to share with you my work fails. This is a different role for me as normally I'm the one that's interviewing our lovely people that we have on our show, all of these experts, all of the contributors. And so this is definitely a different space for me to be on. But for those of you that don't know, I work for Crestcom as the leadership development strategist, and I'm also a coach and speaker. But before that, I'll be sharing some of my fails that I've made during this portion of my career, but also in the past life of my career. So in today, I am lucky enough to be interviewed by Christian Worley. Hello, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Christian, I guess here it goes. Like, this is just awkward for me to let it go. Well, yeah. Welcome to the hot seat. This is how probably everybody <laughs> else feels. <laughs> it's, it's uncomfortable to be here. So you've asked everybody about their work fails and kind of how it shaped them in their career. What would be your, what is one of your work fails that have really changed your perspective and how you've gone forward in your career? Yeah, I think, you know, I've definitely had a couple, but I would say that my work fail, the ones that come to mind are the ones that ultimately led me to pursue coaching and leadership development and speaking. Because if you had asked me right after after college, I thought that my career was going to be living and breathing in retailer or in retail. Uh I had worked in a buying office of a large retailer and, you know, you're talking about like corporate America. I was totally bought into wanting to climb the corporate ladder. I wanted to do it, you know, as fast as I possibly could. There was no time of like, hey, let me just figure out what I could learn because I was just maybe an overambitious 20 something, which uh-huh. I think which is very is. common. <laughs> yes. Right. I was like, I need to get promoted. I need to get promoted. I need to get promoted. And I think that eagerness that just kind of like thinking that I didn't need to pay my dues or I didn't need to understand that bigger picture really kind of was something that then I would say was the start of an uphill battle to move forward within my buying career. Mm. So I was a little bit more, I would say, entitled, definitely entitled, thinking that I, you know, I had a little bit of an inflated sense of ego, thinking that I should get it. And Rightfully so. Like at that point in time in the career, like I had had two successful promotions. And so I would say that stroked my ego in the same Uh way that like, you know, you had shared in your work fails. So I was feeling pretty good. And I remembered going into my third promotion again, so excited. It was such a great opportunity. I'd gone through all these interviews and I went into this and I remember the individual that interviewed me and, and they asked me before going into it, to pay special attention to this interview, to Uh make sure that I truly thought that the person that was interviewing me would be a good fit for me as a boss. So to try and say that in a different way, I was being interviewed by who was going to be my boss, but their boss was telling me to make sure that it was a good fit. Gotcha. So here's a red flag. Yeah, that should have been the first red flag. Should be aware of this person you're interviewing with. (laughs) Like the person's boss is already saying like proceed with caution. But I didn't, you know, I was too excited. I wanted to get to that next promotion. I knew that this was going to give just more visibility in terms of the brand that I was buying. And I I wanted that. I wanted all of the fame that came. Well, sometimes I think you look past, you know, the pitfalls and you just look at your end goal of I want there. Yes. 
Yes, and that's exactly it. And so fast forward, I interview, and of course, I report back to this person and say, no, no, like, I think that we're going to do just fine. And a few weeks later, a month later, whatever that was, then they, you know, extended the offer to me and I started my next, my third position with that organization. So really excited. Again, feeling really good because I was attached to this big brand. And early, early on, right when I started, I basically had zero support. I like to equate it to this boss was like, hey, I want you to do this, but I'm not going to give you any insight on how I want that done, even though you've had no exposure to it in the past. Oh, nice. And so my initial first, I would say, like few months on the job, I was working extremely long hours. I was working every single weekend. I would be going into the office and I was just so frustrated and just fatigued. And so I go into this VP's office and I just tell him like, I don't want to do like, I can't handle this. I basically have a breakdown Uh in front of him. And that moment, why that's so important is that moment where I had the breakdown saying that I couldn't do this, that I was actually really frustrated with this boss, that they weren't a good fit, yielded a response from this VP kind of like, well, you're the one that asked for it. And because Uh I came up and showed like my emotional side and was so frustrated, then that VP also made different assumptions about how I managed my business. Uh So the perception that I created in the early formative part of the relationship that I have with that VP didn't start out on the wrong foot. And it started out so far away from the right foot that it actually just killed my career the second that I started. So that third promotion was essentially the death sentence of my career in retail. But I wanted to keep doing it, keep doing it. And why that piece matters is that, you know, I think that the first lesson that I learned the work fail is understanding how to articulate your emotions in a way where you can be heard but also in a way where it doesn't overshadow or it's not going to lead to them seeing the wrong things. Because sometimes when we're not in control of our emotions, that's what can happen. And that wasn't the perception that I would ever have wanted created with that VP. Right. Especially if I had known that he would basically never promote me right. again, because well, he was crying. Jen again. Yeah, it's oh like my you, God. you will never do that. And it's, yeah. You know, and you go forward and I went through that career and I still had that same just high ambitious like attitude. Like I wanted to keep going and I knew that I was doing a good job in my role. And so I kept doing these things, but I had already essentially damaged that relationship oh, that uh-huh. it, I couldn't do anything right in, the, in that sense because it was already done. Nail in coffin, like that exchange right there of showing that that's all that he needed to know. It didn't matter what else I showed him. And I went and uh, I went in. And I ended up doing really, really well in that role. I, you know, I felt like we did a great job of managing our sales. Then I went in to manage a different brand and we did a great job. And I was all still with under or under that same VP. Uh And so fast forward after I made a switch, then I got a little bit more, I would say like, I really, I knew that I wasn't going to get promoted right away, but I I started to see my peers getting promoted. uh And so I'm like, I need to be part of them. Like, I don't want to be the one that's left behind. Like I need to constantly be moving. And so then I go to my boss and I'm like, okay, like he... We're going in for this just like one-on-one meeting, and I think that this is the perfect time to essentially ask him about when I'm going to move on to the next Uh level. And so, you know, I'm saying to him, like, okay, like, I'm really ready to, like, move up to be a planner now. Like, this is going to be great. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, "Uh, Jen, like, that's not going to happen. Like, you're... And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, my business is really good. I've obviously done this for sales. Like, how Uh could you possibly not promote me? I've got all of this data to show just how great I was. Right. Not a lot of humility (laughs) going into it. Um, And 
he, you know, he shared feedback that wasn't ideal. He, you know, I guess the perception that I'd created within, you know, the department that I'd worked in, I, I laugh a lot by nature. And right. so one of the pieces that I got out of that conversation was that if I wanted to get promoted, I really needed to start walking around the office with back up straight, no, like no laughing outside of our cubicle. Oh. And, you know, there's other feedback within that same conversation that said, you know, John, like we really just need you to focus on being more of a yes man, or we need you to be more vanilla. And why that piece was again, another turning point is I heard that feedback and I, again, had a very poor emotional response. <laughs> I became very, very defensive. Whereas in all honesty, like I know that my boss in the time was genuinely just trying to help me. Uh -huh. I he obviously didn't craft his language, I would say, in the best way, but he had a really good heart about it. He was genuinely just trying to figure out, OK, I know that it's important to you to move up but you need to fix some things before we can see you in that light. And what I grabbed onto is, well, you said that I need to be more of a yes man and vanilla, and those are all things that I can't change, so I guess I'm stuck. So I just developed an attitude. I developed you know, frustration. I became a little bit more of an angry employee, and I think I rebelled. Like uh -huh. I became uh -huh. really frustrated and resistant to making the changes, and then I also personalized it initially. Like I was really frustrated with my boss at the time and just like did not like the VP, didn't like the boss because I knew the VP was still echoing into here. And so fast forward, I guess, to like those mistakes, like the mistake first of being too open, the mistake second to being, <clears throat> I would say, not receptive to feedback that was really meant to help me. Like so not assuming positive intent, both caused more fray which eventually just led to me never being promoted. Oh, and at uh -huh. that point in time, I had to stay in my position because the company had already invested in me. Because I was, you know, I was on the fast track before this. Like all of my past leaders, they had believed in me. The company had just accepted me into their master's program. Oh, wow. And so it was the complete opposite effect. It was kind of like all these people were really supportive. And then I had all these people that were like, you are not good enough or you're not this or you're not that. And I'm really grateful for those mistakes. And I think that's what ultimately made me go to coaching is because I was basically stuck in that position for four years until I could graduate. They would reimburse the college and I could leave. Uh, otherwise, I just didn't have the funds to be able to pay for that out of pocket right. just because I was upset with the job. So in hindsight, these these mistakes that I made, you know, what I would say to anyone that's sitting there is that if you've done something that's maybe you feel has jeopardized your ability to move forward or get promoted, know that it's totally okay to like change organizations. But if you do want to stay within your organization, you do have to take ownership for how you show up. Yeah. You have to completely take responsibility that even though, for example, in that feedback session where the word choice wasn't that actionable, like I don't know how to be more of a yes man, like that doesn't mean, that doesn't translate into something that I can, how I can be better. Yeah. In my natural words, I'm like, well, that just sounds like I, I won't challenge things so that I won't be an effective problem solver or decision maker. But learning how to manage your feedback and learning how to filter it before it comes out of your mouth. And what I mean by that is filter, ask yourself, are, or is this feedback designed to help me? And mm -hmm. if it is, like, how can I process it in a way that's helpful versus a way that's hurtful? Right. And if I say that the feedback's not helping me, then giving myself permission to let it go. But also, it doesn't mean that by not agreeing with the feedback that I have to be disrespectful to the person that's giving it. Yeah. So I think taking the ownership for what you can do, how you can improve, and not being so emotional or so just kind of 
expecting people to like roll at your feet to figure it out because that's just not the case. That's not how any organization is designed. They're designed to be able to keep moving forward. So my work fails again. Like it was probably being too ambitious and not really allowing myself to learn from all the levels and also the work fail of the red flags were all there. All Uh of this could have been avoided. I could have still been probably like moving in a career of retail had I not just been so ambitious about getting this visible job that everyone in the company could see or like in the buying world could see when it obviously came with some huge red flags. Like I should have just been like, hey, my time will come. Like I can be patient. I don't need to take this now. Like trust that this is the warning that you need, that you can (laughs) handle it a few more months just to not see how this warning is actually going to play out. Yeah. And sometimes Um, I think that's hard, you know, as you're early in your career and you're so focused on moving up, you're not thinking of, well, why sh- should I move up? You know, are you asking it? I want to move up, but should I? Okay. You know? And why do I want to move up? I right. think I still think that even the position that I wanted, because that would have been the next position, is not even a position I would have wanted to do, but it would have still meant a promotion. And in the eyes of corporate America, corporate America and how I saw it, I always felt like I was failing if I wasn't being promoted. And so when my peers started to get promoted, because they would put you into these classes when you're going to go to the next level, and then you would kind of be trained on that next position. And so as my peers started to go through these interviews and started to get accepted into that process, and then you know that they're part of the planner prep group or like this, you know, it's kind of that (laughs) that elite group, I guess, (laughs) that all of the competitive type A people in corporate America are looking at and want to be at because that was me. Um, I wish I would have just been like, it's okay that I actually don't want that and that understand why I wanted it. Uh Like I wanted it because I was in some way wanting to show people I was good enough that I was there, but I didn't want it for any of the reasons to actually want to do the job. I just wanted it to show people that I was that you could just as good as that. Like I'm just as good as you. And so really, I think, you know, as I'm talking about all of these work fails from my first career after college, I'm just thinking so many of my missteps in my career were all made by having too much of a little bit of an inflated ego, a higher sense of self. And that's hard for me to say today because I, you know, I look at it today, I'm like, who does that? And I'm like embarrassed that like I did that. But that was me. Yeah, that was totally me. And I just have to own that that was who I was, but also understand that that way of looking at my career actually it was just not helpful. And it ended up causing a lot of more crying, a lot more stress, <laughs> right. all of that. And all that I really needed at the end of the day was to just know how to love myself and validate myself and know my value. And I think if that would be the thing that I would say to anyone is, you know, stop comparing, stop letting your ego drive your career and just start focusing on what really matters to you, not what matter, what you think matters to someone else about your life. Right. Because most of the time, you know what, they're not paying attention to your career path. No. And they're not the ones that have to work it. I'm the one that needs to go in it day in and day out. Like I would have hated that job that I wanted to be promoted so <laughs> bad to. Like, this is something that for a good two-year period, I was just incensed. I was frustrated. I was sad. I was for all these things, all all for a job that I didn't want, but because I couldn't have it, I wanted it more. Right. And I didn't give myself to say, like, it's okay that you don't want that. Like, drop the rope. Like, don't pursue it anymore. And I think people still do that in their career sometimes. They stick with something, even though they have all of the red flags, but they are like, you know, especially if it comes down to the competition that I had set up, like showing that I was good enough that I could get promoted, like 
this race is against yourself. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I was making up these fictitious competitions all to like tell myself that I was good enough. Like yeah. you have to be the one that says I produce value. I like these things. I can honor all these things about myself. And I can also do the same for the next person. Like we shouldn't all be the same. Right. So Jen, do you have any other work fails that you might be willing to share with us? Oh my gosh. One that I just, I I really want to share because it's one that it was so blind. It was so innocent. I love to laugh. I love to joke around. I love to socialize. You know that you're my peer. Um, I love to connect with people. And I was doing a role in HR for an organization. And one thing to know when you're in HR is it's a pretty, I would say, visible position, meaning people know who HR is for the right reasons, for the wrong (laughs) wrong reasons, for all the reasons, but they know when HR is in the room and they, you know, kind of jokes. Yeah. (laughs) Hold the jokes. Can't do anything here. And they, they kind of perk up when HR is around and not necessarily because they're interested in me, but it's kind of like, okay, what are they going to say? What are they not going to say? Yes. Act your best behavior. Yeah. And I was just walking around as I would, like I would kind of walk the floor, go around and just talk to the different departments. And I was in the, the IT side of our business. And I was talking to all the people that were there and there were a few people that I had developed rapport with. And so we were just joking and it happened to be around the time that we were starting to talk about bonuses. Uh But in the context of this conversation, like this employee that I was talking to, like we just always had more of like a joking, playful, like just having fun at work relationship, a lot of sarcasm, Um, nothing that would be, that was ever, I mean, it was just, it was just a fun, like, you know, a fun coworker to work with. Mm -hmm. And in this one specific day that I did not think anything else or anything of until after that day, I did not think there was anything memorable. I was just having a conversation and the individual was like, oh, Jen, are we going to, are we going to get just like huge raises this year? And so they, they phrased it to me in the way of a sarcastic question. Like they were like, of course, we're not going to get, like, we know all the reasons that we're not going to do this, like because of this performance uh-huh. or we know what this is going to be. But person says, Jen, are we going to get just like huge raises? Right. So he's saying it to me in a sarcastic way. And so then I respond, I'm like, yes, everyone's just going to get huge raises. I again, respond in a sarcastic way. (laughs) Fast forward. So, you know, conversation wraps, whatever, joking around onto my day, not thinking anything of it. Two days later, I get a call from our COO. Oh no. The first, it was the CIO that came into my office and was like, were you telling people that everyone was going to get a big raise this year? Oh no. I was like, what? Like, no. Why would I ever tell people that? Like, no, that's absolutely like, I'm not even their boss. Like I don't determine that. And then he's like, well, one of the directors, this is actually a director at that organization heard me say it and then reported it to the chief, um, our chief technology or chief information officer and said that I was going around and telling people that they were going to get these huge raises. And whether or not that was my intent, because clearly in the context of the conversation, it was just like sarcastic banter. Right. But someone else from outside heard it out of context, made assumptions, and then deduced the fact that I was walking around telling people that we're all going to get huge raises. I was mortified. I was just so embarrassed because then I also followed up with the conversation, not only with that executive level member, but also our COO. And I just never realized that the weight of a simple joke and how that could have been perceived and how it blew up to what it was. Right. 
it is still something that like, I just wish I could go back and change that because there was just something so innocent and I didn't think anything of it. But sometimes, you know, the higher up that you go in your career or the more visible you are as an individual, understanding that the weight of your words will change yeah. the perception that people have of you. And then in addition to those words will have an impact. Um, the higher up that you go, the more that those words matter. So you have to be really sensitive to the fact that, or sensitive to what you're saying and how you're saying it because other people are listening right. and whether, and they're not necessarily going to take time to fact check, to understand, they're just going to fly by the seat of their pants and here's what they want to hear, hear what they heard and move forward. And that was just a huge mistake for me because I felt like it was something that was just so much of just like, you know, what I would consider like an innocent joke, but it really did cost and it damaged the trust of the relationship that I had had with these two executive board members. And that was something that was really hard for me to like process because I would in no way want to put them in a bad position where they you know, where they were the bad guy or that I would start a rumor that everyone thought we were going to get gigantic (laughs) races. I mean, but yeah, just understanding that sometimes like what you say, depending on your level is going to be appropriate, not appropriate, taken out of context. And like, you have to understand that people are watching. And so what do you want to be remembered for? I was given really good advice years and years ago by the colorist at the post house I worked for. And he said, be careful. I had said something kind of offhand about what I was doing at the time, you know, the client I was working with. I forget the, what I had said, but he said, be careful what you say. You never know who's listening. Yes. And it's like, you're right. If I'm not willing to tell that person that, then be careful what you say, because the walls do listen, even though you're not paying attention. Yes. Why didn't I have that person in my <laughs> life before I make this work? I wish I had had that sage yeah. advice because I, I think I would have, you know, and it's funny because I think I was pretty sensitive to a lot of different things, like sensitive in terms of how you're communicating, like disciplinary action or how you're talking about sensitive issues. I think that in so many ways, I would say I was actually very aware of what uh-huh. I was saying. But in this context, because I thought it was just such a joking conversational, like off the cuff, not even you know, yeah. I didn't even think that that held true in such a just casual conversation where clearly if you were actually a part of it, you would have realized like there was nothing. Right. That Meanwhile, we- two cubes down, Charlie <laughs> right. and Doug think they're getting huge raises. Right. Jen's telling everyone. Oh, and my gosh. Now ordered a new car. And now they have to. Right. <laughs> and now they have to abandon their Teslas. And I am just the one to blame. Crush um, their dreams. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah, I love that. Like, I think that that what you just shared that know that people are listening. The walls are listening. I mean, people, people are hearing you, whether you think that they're paying attention or not, like people are. And I mean, it's natural. I mean, when you're working with clients or, you know, whoever you're always, you know, as a group, you kind of want to sometimes, I don't want to say rag on them, but sometimes, you know, you need that, you know, gang up mentality of, you know, Oh, they're so hard to work with. Or yes. When someone down the queue might be on (coughs) a phone call with, that person and they hear you in the background. So. Oh my gosh, all of those things. I'm surprised that like, you know, mine happened the way that it did just because I feel like there are so many other areas that I was unaware, but just be aware. That's God, right. that day sucked. <laughs> that day was just awful. I just go back to that. I, you know, I guess this is par for the course. I was definitely shut my office door. I was like crying because I was so disappointed with myself because I hated that I let down our COO and I was just embarrassed. Yeah. I was so embarrassed because I would never 
Like that is such an obvious thing to me. Like, of course I would not walk around <laughs> telling people we're getting huge we're getting raises. Bonuses. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Some, and I had to own it. I had yeah. to own that. I didn't realize that there would be a secondary message that could have been deduced and taken from that. Yeah. So own your mistakes. Own your bottom mistakes. Line. Well, Jen, thank you for switching roles. And, uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Like, I guess maybe that's not how you meant it in switching roles, but I no, love well, my position here. But it was also fun to switch roles yeah. and be on the other side so, of the interview. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for being oh, for coming sure. up from behind the production side to interview me. This was fun, Christian. Uh, once in a lifetime. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Leadership Habit, featuring my interview sharing my work fails that I've made. I hope that you learned something or in any event, maybe you got some laughs over the fails that I made. If you liked our episode or you you feel like you have a friend that maybe could benefit from this, don't forget to share it on your favorite social media platform or to write us a review. 